Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. Thanks for having me back, Stephen. Oh, oh <laughs> welcome to my home. I think last time I was on the show, we were talking about Phoenix Wright, so, you know, a long time ago. What, what do we got on the docket this week, Stephen? We, should I list the whole episode? Just like a, a heads <laughs> Sure. Up? Well, you know, we've never done that once. Why don't we yeah, do it? You're really throwing me curveballs here with, like, <laughs> being set in my home virtually. And then, you know what uh, they say, episode 185? You gotta switch it up. You gotta you know? spice it up. Yeah. yeah, that that is the episode when you throw the whole format out and yeah, yeah. just start over. This is gonna be audio prop comedy from now on. Welcome to my house. I can't wait to get to the cooking segment. I think that's gonna be exciting. Yeah. <laughs> we're not gonna no, explain what we're doing. It's just yeah, ASMR no cooking sounds. It's just wow. You read my mind. That's creepy. Anyway, speaking of reading minds, Thirteen Sentinels Igis Rim has officially arrived on the Nintendo. To switch it is here uh it came out two years ago on the ps4 which is kind of <laughs> wild i guess a year and a half it was 2020 2019 it was september 28th 2019 really yeah wow oh maybe that was japan you might be I right think, i think it in the because it was 2020 it was in our game of the year list yeah regardless it's been out for a couple years which is surreal because it feels like six months ago but that's also very on brand for 13 sentinels to have an obscure view of time <laughs> that's a great um, point so we played it when it came out on PS4 in the US and we both loved it. We actually have a few episodes about it. So I would say if you want, like this will be spoiler free, but if you want a spoiler free version of like our first impressions about the PS4 version back in 2020, uh, that is an episode called Yakisoba Podcast, I believe. Yeah, Yakisoba Pod. And we somehow like neo dodge spoilers and explain like what this game is and give our thoughts about it we also have a full spoiler bonus episode about it that i think uh, was a lot of fun to make it was very hard to make but i actually re-listened to it because i hadn't like you know i haven't played this game in a while and i haven't i haven't really thought about it in a long time so i wanted to like refresh myself a little bit before starting it again on switch and I actually wasn't even i wasn't set on getting it again like i was kind of like comfortable being like i already have a ps4 like i'll play it again if inspiration strikes but like mm -hmm. i'm just happy that more people can play i don't really need to do it myself yeah but after like seeing so many people in the discord like take a picture of their physical copy our friends aj and kim uh who host asynchronous another video game show on the twg network they are playing 13 sentinels for this season of their show and they're playing it on switch and it just seemed like switch was like the way to play it you know yeah yeah we we said that something to that effect like when it came out and we started playing it was like yeah. man it'd be nice if this one one day landed on switch because it just it just feels made for that system which like i know everybody says that about every game like that's like the most frequently uttered thing in the game space probably uh but something about 13 sentinels just being like half visual novel i actually i guess one third visual novel one third like real-time strategy mech game and one third wikipedia yeah <laughs> it's like that just that just feels perfect for a handheld that you can kind of take with you so you know if you're like hanging out with your friends in a park and you're like wait i have an idea about what happened in 1945 you can whip out your nintendo switch and check out the wikipedia section exactly and i think too with the oled 
uh, model coming out, like this is a really good reason to maybe invest in that. Um, I am playing on the regular 2017 ass Nintendo Switch, and it still <laughs> runs and looks beautiful. Um, I am actually shocked at how much I took this art for granted when I played it on the PS4 because, like, mm. I was impressed by it. Obviously, Vanillaware are known for their like really lovely hand illustrated backgrounds, especially like the background art in all their games is beautiful. But 13 Sentinels is like just breathtaking. Like every shot, whether it's like a still classroom with the light pouring in or like a mech in the distance in a city, like and the the use of like I was playing largely handheld. I played through most of the prologue last night on Switch. Yeah. After after caving and walking to my favorite video game store and buying a copy. Wow. And uh the the use of light is really shocking. Like there's yeah. a scene early on where like the whole screen turns red and like having that kind of intimate handheld experience at that moment mm. is really it's really great and the rts sections run fine i mean that part always looked like a ps2 game so i wasn't really like super worried but yeah kind of like muso games there's a lot of stuff on the screen so i think a lot of people were worried about like you know it's suddenly slowing down or whatever um yeah that was my concern definitely yeah. going in but it runs really well I, I guess i should mention i'm also playing this on switch i pre-ordered it in anticipation of the asynchronous season because i wanted to play it a second time alongside them and like get their kind of like first-hand experience as i'm re-experiencing everything um so i i've been playing it a little bit i'm like pretty far in i guess i'm like 10 hours in at this point already if i were to guess and i started wow. it a couple days ago like yeah. two days ago maybe that's that's the vibe yeah. if you start this game it is a buffet of cliffhangers so like yeah. there's no comfortable way to put it down really yeah point. absolutely yeah <laughs> But I, I was concerned about about how the RTS stuff was going to work um, in 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 handheld mode and on the switch. And it's like totally fine. It like totally runs perfectly well. Um, yeah, I, I'll say this much because you mentioned it. It looks amazing on the OLED screen. Like it's shocking. Imagine, I've been yeah. playing. I've been playing it mostly docked because I'm, I'm playing it alongside my partner, Persia, uh, who is playing it for the first time. So she's technically the one playing. She's playing it through the first time. And I'm like sitting on the couch like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, yeah, just kind of like picking up on all of the foreshadowing and all the context clues that yes. I, I know the answers to already, which is an exhilarating way of playing the game. But I will say, I mean, it is so good the second time, which I was, totally agree, yeah. which is very much why I wanted to talk about it on uh, on this episode again. Um, so as you mentioned, we have the Akisoba pod episode. You should definitely check that out if you're like interested in what the game is. Definitely go listen to Asynchronous if you're just interested in like a high level. They did like an episode zero before they even started playing where they had our friend of the show, Chris Plant from Polygon and the Besties on to just kind of like go over what the game is, how you should go about making a podcast about it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but generally speaking, it's just like a high level look at what to expect from 13 Sentinels, uh, which I would highly recommend. But uh, for those of you old heads in the Aether uh, who have already played the game, go play it again. Like just drop whatever you're doing and go play it again. Like even if you have it on PS4, just go play it again on PS4. Just play it a second time. It is a completely different experience and it's incredible. I'm actually enjoying it significantly more the second time than I did the first time. I didn't even think that was possible. Yeah, I agree. So without, without saying too much, the game is sort of a collage of sci-fi like yeah. and it's on purpose the, the game will directly cite like a research paper it will cite a work of sci-fi like in passing either a yeah. character will be like look at this vhs of et or like someone <laughs> will quote war of the world so like yeah it's purposeful and it is full of plot twists and the first time you play it it's almost more of like you're just getting you're letting it wash over you it, it feels mm -hmm. like a i think i equated it to like you had strep throat and you left the tv on all day and like that's like 
what it feels like when you play for the first time because it's yeah. just like a barrage of like colors and words and like it, there's no way to make sense of it at first and it's also told completely out of order and once you're done with the prologue the order is slightly gated but like 75% of the order of the story will be dependent on who you choose so like mm-hmm. the first hour and a half two hours of the game is pretty set like you'll play a chapter of one character's story it will cut to a mech battle uh, which is the rts part of it which i'm not even going to explain because that's possibly spoilers too but just let it <laughs> let it wash over you you've got strep throat it's it's gonna happen yeah um so the first like you play through like six characters first chapters with a mech battle in between and then the game is like cool so like now you can just choose whatever character you want you can also go play more battles you can also look at this glossary like timetable and wikipedia of terms that you can use mystery points to unlock more of so like the story you're getting like you're getting a little bit of story in the battles you're getting most of the story and most of the game in the visual novel point and click ish part of the game and then the wikipedia i think it's called analysis mm-hmm. it's remembrance destruction and analysis and an analysis you can like kind of do your own detective work and try to make sense of it just like isolated from the rest And what's fun is that, like, depending on what pieces you unlock, you could learn something kind of ahead of time and use that knowledge, like, to kind of arm yourself for whatever comes next. So that that first time playing is thrilling because so much of it feels like so out of reach and so unknowable. And I, I promise you that there are certain revelations in the game that will will kind of pull focus. Like it does kind of reach a singularity that does make sense. Right. Playing it the second time, it is shocking how so early on a character will just say a plot twist out loud like it is <laughs> it is like you won't know the first time because you have no context for what's happening but like everything is so deliberately planned and so purposely there that like i think you could feel like it's a giant mess the first time you play and in some ways it is it's like the the furthest you can stretch maximalism without it just exploding <laughs> but i think that seeing like how thought out this was from the very 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 beginning like they knew exactly where every character story was going to go from the minute they show up mm-hmm. and it's like kind of embarrassing how quickly it's it's revealed it's like those um work videos where they're like you know watch these four people dancing and then like they're like did you notice the walking bear and there's like someone in the back. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's, it's pretty much that. It's like, oh, I totally missed the walking bear because I was just like, I had stripped throw and I was trying to make sense of the mechs. I, a thing I talk about a lot on the show, or at least a reference point that I bring up a lot, is uh, the experience of reading Dune and how Dune just kind of yes, like that's a great point. hits yeah. you with all the terminology and doesn't give a shit if you understand it because it knows you will eventually. You know, just like the more of Dune you read, the more you'll start to understand what all this stuff means via context clues. And 13 Sentinels is actually actually exactly the same way which i never would have clocked i think because so much of the early game while you're playing it is just like man i have no context for any of this i mean the, the amount of stuff that they're throwing out it just it feels a little bit like star trek techno babble in a way yeah. where like it's just all of this terminology washing over you and you're like i guess this is just like kind of the fun color in between the plot beats that i don't really need to pay attention to but it turns out it actually all is contextual and all means something and and it's it would be hard to know that unless you understand the full breadth of where the story's going it's it's an amazing accomplishment and and i I think uh, just another another plea that if you've played it you should play it a second time yeah i think it's not only one of the most if not the most narratively ambitious game i've played it's also one of like the strongest works of sci-fi i've experienced in a while yeah Yeah, Um, very much 
I will say, I mean, there's some caveats that we won't get too into, but playing it again, the game like front loads itself with like the more questionable parts of it. So like my plea is that, you know, obviously I don't blame anyone for bouncing off if like any elements of the game are off-putting enough to make you want to stop playing. Mm. But I would say that if if you're playing the prologue and you're enjoying anything about it, you will have a great time. Yeah. And again, like I don't want to dismiss critiques of like, you know, there's one character in particular who's like very over-sexualized and like that kind of also applies to the whole cast and like that's a whole other conversation and there's no excusing that but that stuff kind of gets drowned out by what the game is doing well at least for me and i think for most people that have finished it like i don't think the the more questionable parts ring as loud as the rest of the game though there is for those who have finished and who want like kind of more discussion about the parts that are more worthy of criticism um, I've seen some great articles linked in the Discord about like really thoughtful discussions on those parts of the game that maybe we can put in the show notes or something. Um, cool. Just to yeah. have like, you know, because I think that that's like a whole episode worthy of, of dialogue that I don't want to dismiss into like a rush segment here. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to point that out because I think that like you're going to turn on the game and be like, uh, <laughs> so just like, yeah, just, just trust that it will, it will fall into a better place. Yeah. I kind of don't want to say too much more for fear of spoilers outside of like it's out on Switch and it's on PS4 and both are great places to play it. Um, I will say if you're playing it on PS4 or PS5, you can use remote play, which is how I played it. I played it on my laptop via a cabin in the woods through remote play. uh, And it was like breaking a lot and a lot of like weird digital artifacting because it was being streamed from my shitty home internet into the woods. Um, And that was weirdly one of the best ways to play that game, I think. Uh, But, you know. Uh, switch is a close second to uh playing over shitty internet (laughs) i also think that the switch version has slightly updated localization i don't know where and and how they've actually changed a couple things on the switch Um, yeah i and i don't know if they've patched the ps4 version to match that Mm. but i know that they've changed um a lot of the combat has been scaled differently like they've changed a lot of or, or they've just like kind of patched a lot of uh the like more overpowered thing. So like one of the moves in particular in the combat that is like wildly helpful is the sentry gun, yep. uh, which I don't want to get too into because it's like way too down the rabbit hole. But uh, some characters have the ability to put down like a gun that will automatically shoot enemies as they're coming near it. And they have like wildly nerfed that to not be as overpowered as it was, because I, I think in the bonus episode, you and I talk about how our strategy for all of the combat missions was put every character who can put a sentry gun down in and then just drop as many as possible and then you don't have to do anything anymore (laughs) have not to know use missile rain and have eight sentry guns yeah and then then you won um so yeah i mean i actually have been enjoying the battles more this time around i never disliked them but that's like not really the selling point and that's always been like i think a lot of people are kind of divided on like if that helps the game or if it hurts it yeah i think it helps just for variety's sake and you do get a lot of story in those battles as well like actually my favorite moment in the game is during a battle which i won't say more but yes like it it does it does it's not completely independent from story it's just like a different version of it mm-hmm. but yeah i this game is really special i don't think we'll see anything like this maybe ever again yeah um, not to be like pessimistic but like the level of like handcrafted art and writing and voice acting and just like wild shit going on like this is such a risky and ambitious game to make yeah um that i i think very few teams would want to take risks like this uh creatively i think you're right yeah i think the only hope we have of seeing a thing like 13 sentinels is if this version sells well enough that vanillaware specifically makes some kind of sequel and i don't even know if i'd want that but like if they green light it and they try their best then i'll probably be on board the, the thing that's comforting to me at the very least is that it's 
clearly got great replay value. This will probably be something I go back to every like couple years just to Mm -hmm. re-experience. Also, I'm playing with the Japanese voice cast this time. Both voice casts are great, um, but I'm really enjoying hearing like a new, it it does slightly change some of the characters where like, obviously they're written the same, but like Hijiyama, for example, I think the way he's portrayed um, in the Japanese voice cast is a little bit more like he has more of that military persona, whereas in the English one, he's more like uh, more like a punk yes. in, in the way the vocal performance gives off. But um, yeah, I'm enjoying just hearing new voices in the characters. Yeah, I played it um, the first time I played through it. I actually switched back and forth depending on like what kind of experience I wanted to have, because, you know, in in moments where I'm like eating lunch and playing, it's really helpful to have the English voice cast on and the English yeah. voice cast is awesome. But in moments yeah. where I'm like, I know I'm getting towards like a really big plot twist or something, I'll switch to the Japanese, which, you know, means I have to like really focus on the text uh, and the dialogue. It's great. I mean, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Both, you can't go both wrong. casts have very recognizable names in there, too. Like, yeah. Very star studded casts for both yeah. languages. Yeah. 13 houses. Uh, 13 <laughs> houses. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Great. There's slip. the episode title. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. No, I mean, yeah, there's I think there's at least four, if not five, three houses actors in the cast here. Yeah. Uh, for the English cast, at least. I'm, I'm so proud of that mistake. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I also think like the dialogue and like it flows very naturally. It's very fast. I forgot how fast the dialogue is. Mm, and like, yeah. It avoids something that you and I kind of criticize lightly in, in Phoenix, right? Where like there's a little bit of fatigue with like constantly having to advance the dialogue and not having like an auto advance feature. Yeah. And here it's like it's so it flows so naturally and it's so quick that like it doesn't feel like I have to just constantly press A during the <laughs> remembrance sequence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So 13 Sentinels, it's available now on uh, multiple platforms. You should play it however you can. Um, I would just say support this game because it's cool and I think it's helpful to support completely wild new IP like this. And if you get the physical Switch version, it comes with like little art postcards. Yeah, at least in the US. I, I've, I've heard other regions don't have that, which is unfortunate. Oh, um, weird. But if you want to pay $200, you can also import the <laughs> special edition from Japan, which comes with an art book and, uh, you know, some like CDs of all the music and uh, some stickers and some posters. Um, and I'm always hovering over that buy button. I almost always get digital. So it's nice when a physical copy has like kind of an incentive to get it. Like I, yeah. I got the limited edition Celeste switch mm. copy yeah. and it came with like a little instruction booklet, which I love. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So highly, highly recommend 13 Sentinels is a truly a once in a lifetime narrative experience. Yeah. Um, Check it out. It's good. Bye bye. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan. Hey. You and I have found a game that is somehow harder harder to discuss than 13 Sentinels Igus Rim. Yeah, this is like the extreme mode of hosting a podcast. <laughs> is, is what we've opted to do today. We are going to describe to you the color blue on air uh, without <laughs> saying it's just blue. Um, that's basically what we've done. It is Patrick's Parabox. Uh, it is a game that came out this year on Steam. I think it's only on PC and Mac currently. Yeah, maybe Linux also for those yeah. of you Linux heads out there. <laughs> that came off kind of shitty for those of you Linux fans. <laughs> you nah, penguins. Is fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> every like 
60 days, I'll meet someone who's like, you know, you should really use Linux. I feel like that's like just like a constant anchor in my life. It's like, yeah, that is always how it comes up in conversation is you should switch to Linux. And I'm always like, I, I've tried. Yeah, I, which I have. I'll be clear. I've tried switching to Linux. Didn't work for me. Yeah, I have no preference. Yeah. I'm also. Yeah, I have nothing to say about Linux. <laughs> OK, moving on. <laughs> Patrick's Paradox is a puzzle game, um, not unlike I would say portal in sort of the setup of it where like you are given levels that are sort of like early on teaching you basic concepts for a game that is centered around a kind of abstract concept. Mm-hmm. So in, in the game, you play a box that has two little eyes and you move around a top down environment and the early puzzles are just like push a box to a empty square on the grid. And so the, usually there'll be like a goal where it's either like an empty square where you need to push a box to or a empty square with two eyes where like you have to put yourself. Right. So the first few stages are just like teaching that basic concept. And it's like, OK, maybe one level there will be like it's not clear. Like once you push a box against a wall, you're kind of stuck. Like you can't you can't get around it to move it. So you have to think about like what corner am I coming from? Where do I push it? Cool. That's honestly like almost enough. Like they they could have made a game about pushing a box mm-hmm. and their understanding of puzzles is already so impressive. Like that that could have been fun. The game kind of immediately one ups itself when in one puzzle you get a box that has like a little line through it, like it looks like a little pathway, and when that box is against a corner and you go, you know, you you use the right arrow to push it, you end up in that box as if it's another level. Like you basically inception into a new level where you're going through that pathway. So now they're teaching you like, oh, okay. so sometimes when you're pushing a box, there will be options within that box. Right. And that can range from like there's a little pathway here to like there's just an open level in this box to eventually this box is a is a minimized version of the level you're in. And you see yourself moving around in both places. Yes. So like. The game is is hard to like grasp right away. Uh, actually, no, it's very easy to grasp. It's hard to explain. And it's miraculous that they're able to teach these concepts of like essentially like chrono cross reality physics, <laughs> where like you eventually it becomes second nature to think of yourself in multiple dimensions and right. like use that to solve puzzles. And I'm not really like I like puzzles. I, I don't know if I've ever like latched on to a puzzle game. Uh, I guess Portal is maybe like the only one that's like really pulled me in and that also mm. has like a narrative reason for being there like I, I tried with the witness and i just i couldn't get as into it and like yeah you know when when it's just puzzles I, it's kind of like i'm unsure if i'm gonna love it and this game is miraculous it is so well done it is a a masterpiece in game design and i cannot stop playing it yeah um, i have never felt more intelligent than when i solve these puzzles <laughs> i go ooh, like whenever i'm done <laughs> it's amazing um, well, I just want to applaud you because I think you did a really great job of explaining this extremely oh, hard you. thing to explain. Um, I appreciate I, that. I, I, I've been like actually dreading talking about it on the show. <laughs> I, 
so I guess just to be clear, I've, I've heard about this from two different sources. Number one, I think it was actually Chris Plant who brought it up on the besties at one point. And then um, our other friend of the show, Tamar Hussein, has been talking about it, streaming it on his Twitch and also talked about it on GameSpot After Dark recently. And I, I was uh, talking to him earlier, like in the week, like, hey, I think I'm going to talk about Patrick's Parabox on the show. Like, I, I just I just need to know if you have any tips on like how to discuss this in an audio medium. And uh, you just went and did it. So congrats. Congrats to you. <laughs> That's thank great. you, thank you. Yeah, I, so, I sucked at explaining what Linux is, but I could, I could really yeah, do Verabugs. Yeah, the two shades of myself. Yeah, yeah. I, I I picked this game up um based on Tam's stream. I watched it for like two minutes, and I was like, I love this. I need to check this out. And then played it for about three minutes, and was like, I need to make a video about this. And then uh, made a video that's available on our YouTube that you can check out. Like if if you if you've listened to all this and you have no idea what we're talking about still, if you're like, I don't understand how this game works, watch the first five minutes of that video, and you'll understand yeah um, i it, actually it, did that and then i bought it immediately yes. so that's that's where i'm coming from what i'll say about this game is i i hate to like draw this comparison and specifically like do like a ranking like this but it reminds me so much of baba is you when baba sure. is you came yeah. out which uh if you haven't played baba is you it's another really great puzzle game that involves you as this uh little like sheep slash rabbit thing called baba and you have to move your way around a level where uh, the the blocks that you're pushing, it's like very similar in that way where you're pushing blocks around to try and like achieve a goal. But the blocks you're pushing around are the actual like uh, win conditions. So it'll be like flag is win, you know, so like that will be three different boxes. One of them is the word flag. One of them is the word is one of them is the word win. So if you do flag is win and then go touch a flag, then you win. Um, that's how it's Baba like is logic you puzzles. Yes, yeah. exactly. And, and obviously, the more you play, the wilder that gets and they start to, you know, really like mess with your perception of what those rules can be you know a classic puzzle game kind of thing i loved baba is you really until a point like there was a point where that game got so wildly difficult for me that i was like i don't think i'm ever gonna be able to beat this game i don't think i'm ever gonna be able to like even get past this level that i'm on it's nice in that it allows you to kind of like travel around and try different levels so like if you get stuck on one yet you can go do another um and patrick's parabox is set up in the same way the thing about parabox though i think is that i i it's not requiring that i that I like reshape the landscape of the rules of the game. The rules are actually pretty simple. It's always that you just need to like push a box into uh, an empty square and then you win. Um, like you just need to get as many boxes in the empty squares as possible and then you're good. I, I think the the like inception of it all where it's like sometimes, you know, you need to push a box into another box and inside that box is its own puzzle level. That's where it starts to get like wild, but it's still not like it's still not changing what you know to be the actual way you're supposed to win the level. Your goal is always the same. Your yeah. goal is always the same. It's always just to like get a box into a spot. Um, and, and I think because of that simplicity in the like top level win state, this game is a lot more approachable than Baba is you to me. Like I if I, I again, I hate to do this, but like I would definitely recommend playing this one it just it just feels like it's doing the thing that i was trying to get from baba is you um i wanted so much to love that game on the level that i am loving patrick's parabox like like you i just i can't stop playing it like in every I, even like the music is great like i just leave the game on in the background and just like listen to the music I, I i love everything about this game i think it's so so impressive it's very calming it's very relaxed like i've had a really stressful week and it's 
completely like zeroed out my anxiety somehow. Yeah. It's like it's like a waterfall on my brain. It's like ah oh, boxes. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, again, like Baba is you, the ability to hop out of a level and like go try another one, like to move on to the next quote unquote world. You have to solve like X number of levels that are available, and they might have like fifteen levels, and you only have to do six of them to progress. And you know, you unlock, you finish one, and it unlocks like a challenge mode, and you can give that a shot if you want to, like things like that. It just feels like the game, like the actual act of like jumping into a box and out of a box like it feels like the actual game itself just kind of unfolds as well yeah. where every time you beat something you unlock more stuff to do and uh the things you're unlocking are just more puzzles and they're always fascinating there's some fun helpful hints as well early on where they're like try to think about like what you need to do and then work backwards and yeah. they're also like you know none of these were meant to be solved quickly so like take your time there's also great there's an undo button so like you, you can completely reset the puzzle but you can also undo and redo like the exact last step you took. Mm -hmm. So if you're like, okay, like I, I know I need to do this, but then like I, I kept early on, I kept just resetting the puzzle whenever I reached a, like a point of no return. Yeah. yeah. And then I started doing the undo more and I, I found that it was more helpful because I could, I could retreat to like the last step I took kind of like a divine pulse and fire emblem where it's yeah. like, okay, when was my mistake? You know, I don't have to start the whole battle over, but like, when did I take the wrong turn? Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, I, I think this is like easily one of the year's best already. Um, I, yeah. I really love it. It's very different from what I normally play. It's actually kind of refreshing to have a game so simple and so like immediately appealing. You know, I think it's it's really hard to pull this level of design off. It's it's also kind of funny because I think this is like maybe one of the most minimalist games in contrast to 13 Sentinels maximalism. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, you had this like uh, box inside a box inside a box. Like I actually pushed the box that represented the level outside the level and I ended up in infinity which was just like another box in space that just oh my was God. like you fucked up <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't go back and I got an achievement it was like you, you created a conundrum yeah, that's amazing. Um, so, yeah. But often like you'll be like, OK, like I can actually like you'll see like um, if there's a smaller box in a level that represents the level and you go to the side of it, you'll see a larger version of the the box character like looking to the left. Mm -hmm. So like it, I, I'm just so impressed at how they can teach these really out there. Like the first time you see it, like my brain was melting and then eventually it became second nature. Yeah. Uh, which is really, really cool. And that's, again, similar to Portal where like that's a very high concept concept it's hard to teach like you're teaching how to jump in mario but they somehow mm -hmm. are able to do it uh, this game is very similar it's it's at least in the game design part of it it's it's hitting the same highs if not higher um which is really high praise yeah yeah i i adore this game i i would highly recommend it. it's also like i think 20 bucks it's like not uh yeah. not as expensive as as most games are yeah my my two caveats are i wish it was on switch um of or course. or i wish i had some way of like using steam link which i don't think i i can do uh at the moment but like i really want to play this handheld like i want to like be on a couch or in bed trying to play this game um even honestly like an ios version where you just swipe left and right to move would yeah. be fine like I, I i think you know this game obviously feels like made for a computer but i mean it, it would do so well in a handheld mode i highly recommend checking it out it's so good. yeah i i feel like there's a pretty common track record of games coming out on steam and then like a year later coming out on switch so like yeah i wouldn't be surprised if that's what happens but it is on mac thankfully and linux so if you have a if you have a computer you can play it <laughs> let me let me check to see if it's on linux we keep, we keep <laughs> doing this linux. it wasn't yeah <laughs> we've made enemies of of linux users and virgos on this show <laughs> i'm so sorry to all the linux users and virgos out there
We love you. It's on Linux. It's on Linux, everybody. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. The penguins got it. We got Patrick on Linux. <laughs> Patrick on Linux. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'm just so glad that the catchphrase for this game isn't think outside the box. Like I wouldn't have gotten it if that was, <laughs> you know, I'm amazed they didn't go for that. It's like screaming. I almost said it by accident, like eight times while explaining what this game was. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> man, it's so good. It's such a, it's such a good game. I've, I've really been enjoying it. Can I, can I talk about another game I've been playing? Please do. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. <laughs> I can tell you've been listening to the 13 Sentinels bonus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot we did that. <laughs> Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. Anyway, I'm playing another game on the Nintendo Switch that I would like to shout out very quickly. I think it's like kind of a, a, a simple one to bring up, um, but it's a game I found just like kind of a random like eShop crawl in a way. Um, it came out, I think, last month or maybe two months ago, and it's called Grapple Dog. And it is a just kind of like a classic side-scrolling platformer game where you play as like a really cute cartoon dog named Pablo who gets the ability uh, via a grappling hook to just like grapple around and like do cool jumps and swings and and collect stuff. Um, And it is very much like a make your way around a level, collect a thon, use the grappling hook in like cool, interesting ways to try and access new areas game. It looks exactly like a Game Boy Advance game. I would say maybe not exactly. I think that's that's underselling it a little bit because the art is absolutely gorgeous. It's super vibrant. I mean, I read that as a compliment. I love the Game Boy Advance aesthetic. Yeah, I mean, it it, it feels a lot like it could have been a Game Boy Advance game, but some of the stuff that they're accomplishing in this is like way beyond what you could have done on that on that system but that having been said the art is amazing the music is like wild um actually like aj i'll send you some music if you could like cut some in here because i just i think it's like you got to hear it It's so fun. Uh, But the whole conceit is essentially like, I'm sorry to give away the intro, but I'm going to give away the intro. Uh, But Pablo is on uh, like an expedition with an archaeologist and trips and falls into this cavern. And a little robot is like, hey, I'm trapped down in this cavern. Can you help me get out? Uh, I I know of this tool. It's very much like Portal, where it's like uh, it's like it's like uh, Portal 2 specifically, where Wheatley's like, I know where the portal gun is and I can help you go find it. So like you're helping this little robot go get the grappling hook so you can like go press some buttons and then get out of the tunnel. And of course, you know, the robot is evil and trying to take over the world and you helped it escape. But then it it just becomes like, you know, kind of like a Super Mario world, like go level by level by level and just uh, explore all these incredible platforming levels uh, with this grappling hook and and try and unlock all these new abilities um, and, you know, collect stuff and make your way through. And the game is very funny. It's just really good. I there's a there's a bit a couple levels in where you have the ability to like go hang out on the boat that your archaeologist mentor like kind of sails around the world on. And I was just like running around that and found that there's a Game Boy in in pablo's room and you can just like go sit down and play game boy and there's like a whole second game in there um (laughs) stuff like that i don't know it's just like a great game uh that i have not heard anything about literally at all Uh, i just kind of like found it and thought it looked cool and really liked the music and uh checked it out and just wanted to shout it out grapple dog on the switch did it come out this year it did come out this year oh yeah yeah 2022 baby yeah let me see if it's on anything else it is also 
on Linux. On Windows. <laughs> oh, shit, shit, shit. Sorry. I, you sold me. I love that idea. Uh, I'm excited to hear the music, too. That is the music's really good. Yeah, exciting to hear. The, the, it's it's just like it's it's just very smart in that it is everything you'd want from a platformer. Where like level one is just like figure out how to use the grappling hook. Level two is like we're introducing a new mechanic on top of the grappling hook, and so on and so on and so on. You know, like level two is all about like jumping on like bouncy mushrooms and also using the grappling hook. Level three is like okay, we have these like kind of like weird amorphous blobs that you can grapple into and then grapple out of. Um, and there's like water that you can kind of like swim around in and, and shoot out of. But they just continually iterate on what you would expect that game to be. Um, it, the thing is, like, at the end of the day, it is just like another one of those side scrolling platformers with like a cool thing going on. In this case, a grappling hook. But uh, it's just so fun and so nice to just kind of turn my brain off and like hop through level and see if I can like find the one collectible I missed last time. I think at this point in time, too, it's really hard to make a platformer that's like gripping because it's like such a there's so many, you know, yeah. and it's been like kind of a it's a genre that's hard to like add a new flavor to um the games that are able to pull that off i think are always really miraculous um this looks great i just googled the art style it reminds me of um pocket car jockey a little bit oh yeah uh, totally yeah I, I love it it's cool or yeah. daddish a little bit too yeah this looks awesome i will get it and i will enjoy it thank you, thank you. <laughs> um i'm thinking about making a video about it for you uh, should for our, our youtube as well so um i imagine by the time this episode comes out you will be able to watch that whether that's on tiktok or youtube it'll be there so go yeah. check that out i've loved your recent videos by the way oh thank you yeah they're good it's, it's very nice so what get over it <laughs> uh all right you want to take a break i would love to take a break i'll see you soon cool goodbye dear listener Bye. and steven ultra welcome back oh no <laughs> i had a feeling that was good that was really good actually i loved it thanks yeah. thank you so much uh really like the the depths of what i'm capable of came out there i think yeah. uh, we're talking about rune factory 5 for the nintendo switch a game that you are now playing yes. which is incredible thank you for thank you for getting it for me actually it was a gift yes yeah me and a bunch of our friends all chipped in and got you rune factory 5 because you kept buying all the other things we wanted to get we were trying to get you chrono cross you got it for yourself (laughs) Uh, trying to get you new headphones you got them for yourself and then you were like i want to get rune factory 5 i think i'm like really interested in that and i was like don't fucking do it steven (laughs) you got me some cool vinyls though thank you yeah the new the new chrono cross uh and radical dreamers edition vinyl which uh is available for pre-order i don't know why this is an ad for that but uh that sure is what i'm doing we have often just done ads like out of our like someone hypnotized us at some point we're like don't you want to get a two-for-one sandwich um rune factory 5 is a game that came out this year that that you actually brought to uh to the show like i want to say a few weeks ago um Mm -hmm. you and i both had really no knowledge of what rune factory was at all i feel like it just like would always show up on a nintendo direct and we're like what what is this exactly yeah. um i think the curiosity led you to check out rune factory 5 also like i think you know we're always drawn to take chances on games coming out this year in preparation for goatee like it's always fun to be like you know i, I think like 
playing 13 Sentinels, for example, when it came out, was like, oh, now I'm in the I like this before it was cool camp. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, so it's fun to like catch things when they come out. And Rune Factory 5 hasn't like it, it's received sort of lukewarm reviews. I would say it's got like a a, a, a platter of sixes from, from most <laughs> major publications. And like I, I get why. I mean, I've I've now played Rune Factory 5 for around five hours. I guess backtrack a little bit. You brought five to the show and we both collectively learned that Rune Factory is a spin-off of Harvest Moon. And the earlier games were even called a fantasy Harvest Moon. So Rune right. Factory, for those who don't know, is largely very similar to a Stardew Valley Harvest Moon type game where you're in a town, you have a farm, there's like life sim stuff every day, there's like different things happening, you can talk to the townspeople, you can enter relationships with some characters, start a family, all that Harvest Moon stuff. But it's in like a JRPG filter. So like in addition to this sort of like low stakes town life, there might be a dragon uh, somewhere that you have to fight. And Maybe they're the mayor. Who may- knows? Who knows? <laughs> Maybe they're the mayor. Maybe they also have a farm on their back. Um, <laughs> so in all the games, there's also like light dungeon crawling and like RPG mechanics. So we learned what it was with five and you you felt like good enough about five to bring it to the show. I think you had your own critiques of it, obviously. And yeah, like, definitely. I think it's a game that, again, you and I don't really stress like performance issues and it's noticeable. The game, the game looks and feels unfinished in moments. I don't think having spent my time with five. I don't think anything about the performance issues get in the way of like why you're playing rune factory, but it's noticeable enough that I think it does like affect the experience. I think it does feel kind of frustrating. You know, when you brought five to the show after that, I picked up four because four was the one everyone said to get. And I enjoyed it. And I I got a sense of like what the loop of the game was. So I think I'm enjoying five now having kind of been given the vocabulary of the series. I don't know if if I just started with five, if, if I would have given it as much time as I had. But I have to say, like, playing five is a lot of fun. It's really the same (laughs) game. Yeah. And I do think that despite the production stuff going on here, there are ideas and there are steps taken for the series that I do think are leading it in a better direction. The biggest is that, like, rather than having it be a top-down environment, it is a 3D environment that you're running around as if it's, like, a, you know, fully realized town. Kind of, I guess, like, the jump is similar to, like, Fire Emblem to the Monastery, where, like, it's the first game that, like, is treating this like a fully 3D physical space rather than, like, a pre-rendered background that you're running on top of kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Right. And And I think that that change alone, while that has obviously contributed to this game feeling less than graphically and in functionality just that idea that like i am i'm navigating a physical space when i go to a store i know like the bridge and the route there yeah and also especially with the dungeons i do think it really elevates the experience and i'm i'm more drawn to playing five now than i am returning to four weirdly enough yeah that, that was the thing that I, I remember hypothesizing uh in our i guess second episode about rune factory uh where, where <laughs> i was comes up a lot where yeah. i had picked up four and i had played a little bit of one two and three as well and was trying to compare like okay if you're getting a rune factory game on the nintendo switch like a modern one which one are you picking up is it four or is it five and i i think you and i are now anomalous in in this kind of category of like people who picked up four and then immediately jumped to five because i think that 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 jump is probably the preferable way to go even though five does kind of assume that you've played a rune factory game before. I don't, yeah. I, I think that's like a huge misstep on their end. Cause yeah. Cause it's been 10 years since four came out. Yeah. For it's, the 3DS. it's been a decade and 
I think the tutorial of five is like pretty inscrutable. So I think it'll actually turn more people away from Rune Factory as a franchise and it will onboard people because of that decision, which is really unfortunate because as you were just saying, I do think like the more. okay to take a step back, (laughs) you started playing five because you just got it recently and you were sending me screenshots. You were like telling me like, I'm really enjoying five. I think it's really cool. And I was like, I want to go back and give that another shot because I had pretty much after we had recorded all those episodes landed on, I'm just going to play four. I think four is the one for me. I'm going to play this until I'm done with it. And then eventually I'm going to move on to five maybe. But when you were telling me how much you were enjoying five, I was like, ah, let me go back to it. And now I, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, there's pretty much every game that we've talked about today is a game that I can't put down, which is really annoying for me. (laughs) But Rune Factory 5 has really pulled me in in a way that I wasn't really expecting. And I think it's because I just know so much about how you're supposed to play Rune Factory that now I'm I thought that I knew before, but now I'm really seeing the light. Like I really understand the full scope of what 5 is trying to do and how it's pushing the series forward. And I I think it's really good. I think it's a really good game. And I I agree. Like you can't not talk about the fact that, you know, every time you start a new day and you walk out the door the whole switch is like yeah (laughs) Yeah, you hear a cat like like in the distance it's like oh my god you want me to load the whole town are you kidding me also jumping from 13 sandals i guess on switch to room factory 5 i'm like ah like what happened to my switch (laughs) yeah it's it's pretty rough um yeah it it definitely it, it has some really noticeable performance issues but that having been said once you have loaded into an area it's pretty much good the the stuff that like you're referring to that feels unfinished is like i don't think the art direction is all the way there i don't know if you know the combat animations are fully there even though the combat i think feels like significantly better than four surprisingly and, yeah and and the previous games it doesn't look as good it doesn't feel it doesn't look as responsive as it actually feels which is a weird kind of inverse of what usually happens with these kinds of games it's really hard to put into words like i think it's it's similar i think i compared this to you off the show to pokemon arceus where like that game also looks unfinished in many ways graphically. Like the ocean is just the same single tile of water like mm-hmm. over and over again. Right. But at the same time with that game, like clearly they focused on the Pokemon and the animations and like that plays significantly better than than it looks. Yeah. Um. And the reason you keep going back to that game is the loop of it. The loop of Pokemon Legends Arceus or Arceus is so good. And, and that kind of carries the whole game. And I kind of feel similarly to, to a slightly lesser degree, but similar to Rune Factory 5, where like the reason, you know, fans of the series have stuck around for so long and are so patient and waiting for like (laughs) the series to kind of crystallize is that like this concept is so strong and the loop is so fun, even when you're not really focusing on anything. So I think sometimes like in Animal Crossing or in Harvest Moon, even like I feel like I wasted the day if I if I hadn't done something concrete. Mm -hmm. And in Rune Factory, I'm pretty comfortable just being like today was just like I leveled up my walking. I watered like some spinach and like then I went to bed like that was the day. Right. (laughs) Because I think the the fact that you level up so often by doing like literally anything, like anytime you take an action, the character goes like, yes. And I feel like there's like a lizard brain response to being like, oh, I did something. Like I feel like the game is good at making you feel like you're progressing. Yes. (laughs) Cat the Falcon. Um, But the game (laughs) is good at giving you like encouraging feedback regardless of how you're playing. Mm -hmm. And I think that like the cast is stronger in five than in four overall. 
the writing is fine. You know, I think like there are moments of uh, characters that kind of reveal like who they are. And that's always like fun to experience. But I think what makes the characters and the story so enjoyable is that in in five, especially is that so far, and I I kind of expect this to change, but so far the story is very low stakes and it, it really is totally centered on just you finding a role in this town to make it a better place. Mm-hmm. Like even the dragon you meet literally has a farm on its back. Like I think that in four, there's always this kind of tug of war of like, I really like just existing in this town, but there's like kind of a calling beyond that every now and yeah. then where like I have to like, it turns into an apocalyptic fantasy plot unfortunately yeah. which i think really detracts from what i actually want to be doing in that game and five five seems to get that balance much better yeah five is all about you're a member of seed that's all about just like being part of a small society yeah you know and yeah. and i think that that's like the fact that the rpg side of it is like kind of more in line with my role in the town i like mm-hmm. that focus better even though like they'll still be like oh you've got to go into the haunted forest you know th- and that that feels fun because i know why Right. And I know like I have a reason for going. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go save this person. I just got to the point where they let me go into the ruins in the town. And mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. again, the combat feel like the game really shows the most like wear and tear when you first load the town. You know, it feels like, OK, this feels like unfinished. But when you're in a building and when you're in the dungeons, it feels fine. Like it, it plays fine. Like it's still not like amazing, but the combat flows way better than farming does, for example, like farming sometimes feels like you're playing like oblivion on dial up connection. It's somehow an internet yes. game all of a sudden. But yeah, one really small change that makes the world of a difference in five is that you can see the enemy health bar. Cause in yeah. four, if you kept attacking, you could like continue to hit the enemy even past when they ran out of health. So like you always just had to stop attacking to guess if they were dead or not. Right. And in five, you can just see their health, which is significantly better. And I like the music that plays. Like I think the dungeon design is like, it, it's like, it's, it's good. It's, it's, it, again, it's something like, it's not going to blow you away, but I feel like I'm playing a cult hit on the GameCube. I'm like, oh, okay, this is fun. Yes. And I've seen this a lot. Like I, I've, I've been reading a lot of reviews for this game and I think it's a different experience if you're waiting 10 years for like the definitive next step for the series that you love so much. Yeah. Uh, than like just checking it out now. But I do think like, I hope five sells well enough that they're able to get another shot at this even though i'm really enjoying five like i i still think the series itself is shy of its own ambitions i think that if they were able to get like a bit more time and a better budget this could be like a huge hit and i'd love to see that because i think there's a lot of really cool ideas here yeah i think so too i i'm hoping maybe not even that it like sells well enough to like you know jumpstart into six but even if they were just like what if we just like went in and polished up five you know like even just to release like any kind of patch that just kind of fixes a lot of these issues that i think are pretty glaring and are going to be the things that people when they first jump in are like "Ooh, i don't know if this is it for me because once you once you get past all that stuff i mean they they've done all the hard parts you know like they they've made like the core loop work they've actually improved upon the core loop of previous games i think they've done a good job in terms of like you know the town layout makes sense the characters and the writing are all like pretty good so all that's really left is like this kind of like top level polish that needs to be changed for it to be like an obvious recommendation for people, you know? Exactly. And that, and that's what I was going to say. A lot of the reviews, especially from fans of the series, are like once you let the game get its hooks into you, it's like one of the best entries. It's just it's missing that final level of appeal. Yeah, exactly. And in that, yeah, like you said, they did all the hard parts. I would love to see that. I know that's been like a, a big ask since the game has come out that they would like patch it or fix some things. And yeah, I, I'm not confident that will happen, but we'll see. Because it's been out in Japan for 
a while too. It came out at some point last year in Japan. And even when it came out there, people in Japan were like, man, this really needs some work. Um, <laughs> and I, I think a lot of people were hoping that that would happen for the for the worldwide release. And it definitely didn't. But all that having been said, like with with all that stuff out of the way, just, you know, core conceit of this fucking podcast, but like to focus on the stuff that I really like about it. I mean, I am like fully, fully in the loop. And now that I know what I'm doing, I'm, I'm finding that that loop is more fun in this game than before, because in four, as much as I like the town, I like the characters and I am enjoying that loop. I really do think that like four felt like a tutorial for five for me, where four's village, because it's, you know, this top down, like painted background kind of thing. It feels very much like a truncated version of what could be you know yes um, exactly. and and i i think although some people are disappointed in how the jump to 3d has gone i feel very much like when i started five i was like man i feel kind of lost i don't really know what's going on and now i know the village like the back of my hand like i know i know who frequents what shops i know who works at what shop i know who is like going to be walking around at what time of day i know where those shops are i know how to get there i know the best places to catch fish i know like what items i want to go get from the world and where to get them you know i'm i'm starting to learn the world in a way I didn't really with four or like with four I specifically learned it like very quickly because there actually wasn't a lot to really parse but five being this more open thing I think you actually need to kind of spend time there like actually understand the sense of place to kind of lock into it and that's that's the aha moment for five is that 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 moment where you realize you know who everyone is and how to get all the things that you want because it's not just being like handed to you in that way it seems it seems like a subtle distinction but that that jump into 3d really does like dramatically change the sense of the sense of understanding of the world i think um, and really make you feel more immersed. I mean, I know that seems silly to say, like jumping from 2D to 3D is a more immersive experience, but like it really is in this case. Like this, this really does feel like where this franchise should go going forward. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited to continue poking at the edges of five because I find the more I play, the more rewarding it becomes. Yeah. Like I, I've, I've gotten myself into these little routines. Like I've leveled myself up enough to the point where I can like actually do stuff on a daily basis. You know, like I'm not, I'm not just like watering four turnips and my guy's like, oh, I'm wiped or like passes out in the farm. I love going to bed at like 2 p.m. Like yeah. after doing nothing. I gave someone like bread and they're like, what? And then I went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think that moment where you realize you found your routine and specific, like I, I think that's kind of the hook of the whole series. But for, in five, it feels really good. The moment like it's your routine, to be clear, like it, you, the player will figure out the things that you like doing and the things you don't like doing. And once you lock into that in particular, like for me, it's a lot of fishing. I love the fishing. I already mentioned this, but it's literally the exact same fishing as in Animal Crossing, which means I'm going to love it. And I'm fishing a lot. So like I wake up, I fish until 9 a.m. when all the shops open. Then I start like making the rounds, talking to everybody, giving gifts. I'll like go hit the farm and like do all the stuff I need to do in the farm and then like maybe go out into the world and like capture some monsters or like go uh, looking for, you know, items and stuff that I can use for like crafting and whatever. And that's been my loop. And it's great. Like, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. For other people, it might just be combat. Like, it might just be leveling up all of your equipment. It might just be farming for some people. But for me, it's a lot about the, like the relationships and progressing those stories and also catching a bunch of fish. I think also they did a great job like in four you kind of just had to guess when there were like events going on like mm -hmm. similar to Stardew Valley like every now and then you'll go into someone's house and there's like a cut scene and there's like some kind of you know major story beat happening with them um you could kind of make an educated guess if like a lot of people were in one place yeah so like oh what's yeah. happening over there but in five there's like actually like a quest marker like okay like here is 
you know, and, and I know that like maybe it would be better to have that organic discovery, but I think in a game that's all about routine, it does help to have a full display of what your options are. Right. So, okay, like this is going to be like a story beat. This is like going to be a, a character moment. This is a advancing this request that I took. I mean, I, I think the appeal of a lot of these games like Animal Crossing and Stardew Valley and even Persona, even Three Houses, like having that routine that you craft for yourself is really the draw of all these games. And I think that like as long as you're accomplishing that well, there's like uh, fun to be had. You know, yeah, I, I just hope that this that this series gets a chance to like advance some of the other areas and like kind of refine some of the rougher edges. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think I think, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit talking in circles about this specifically, but like as much as I want to recommend five as a jumping off point, I really can't. Like, I think I think the move, if you're not a person who hosts a video game podcast and like plays everything <laughs> is like <laughs> pick up four on the switch, play that until you're like totally done with it. Like play that until you're like, wow, this was great because it's a good game. It's a really good game. People still argue it's the best one. It's, you know, a half off. It's like 30 bucks. You're going to have a really good time with it. And then when you're done with four, move on to five and you'll have a good time because you'll already know how to play. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And I think if you're just, if you're a fan of this type of game, Rune Factory is worth checking out. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a lot to critique, but I think we've done enough of that already. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I think that's it. Wow. Is this a short episode? Is this like an hour long episode? Yeah, I think it might be. I don't know. You want to talk about something else? Yeah. What's up with claymation these days? I don't know. I feel like there's not enough of it. I always think about the uh, the stop motion Christmas movies Like that company was like, we're going to make eight Christmas movies. And then just like peace out. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Like this is the time to make eight Christmas films. And then we're going to stop. Yeah. Dude. Nightmare Before Christmas part two. What about it though? Um, I think we should wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> not, not even like a, what if they did Easter? You know? Okay. <laughs> Nightmare Before wrapping up. Nightmare Before President's um, Day. Oh no. Grover Cleveland claymation. Yeah. Just like, I was president twice. <laughs> yeah. That'd be good. Get Miller Phil- Fillmore in there, Zachary Taylor, the whole bunch. This is presidents. This is presidents. <laughs> I am the president with wooden teeth. I am the one with the powdered wig. I think that'd be sick. Yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, I think you should email Tim Burton and be like, where? Are where are we at with this? Where, yeah where are we at where are i we mean at? like obviously you're working on it already because it's the it's the only good idea it's the logical next yeah. step <laughs> it is kind of funny that like nightmare for christmas is still like a really big merchandise platform mm. for younger kids that was like when we were in high school that was like the like emo kid uh yeah paraphernalia yeah, the, the hot topic energy yeah it's amazing that nightmare before christmas hasn't been mined for more stuff like sequels and stuff like the only sequels that exist are in kingdom hearts <laughs> which is wild right am i wrong i think kingdom hearts 2 is uh, is is a sequel to nightmare before christmas where you go to christmas town and you're like hey what's up now that like you've made good with halloween town yeah you're right. And Kingdom Hearts 1, it's also there, but it's more of like a, you're existing within the first movie. Yeah, you're in, you're in the first movie. Yeah, it's the whole bit about uh, when Santa gets kidnapped by uh, Lockstock yeah. and Barrel. <laughs> I don't know why, but I feel like I... <laughs> I identify a lot with the little kid who has the skull mask. I'm not sure why, but I feel like when I was a kid, I was that character. Hey, maybe we'll get more in Kingdom Hearts 4. Maybe maybe you'll... The Return of Lockstock and Barrel. And Kingdom Hearts 4, we're going to get, like, human Jack being like, what if I was a skeleton? <laughs> like, looking in the mirror. And, like... Yeah, it, it feels... I 
my my thing about that very brief Kingdom Hearts 4 clip that that they dropped when they announced that thing is, you know, immediately everybody was like, well, that's definitely like a like an ATST's leg in Endor. Like, so they're definitely oh, doing yeah. Star Wars. And like, just to be clear, that. I don't I don't know. I don't know anything. I didn't know that Kingdom Hearts 4 was even coming. Just just to make that abundantly clear before I say this next thing. But like, it feels to me like they're like, oh, yeah, well, now that, uh, you know, graphics are good, we can you know, put Sora alongside real life people, you know? So I feel like they're going to like really try and like do the like live action Disney side of things, you know? So like maybe bring back Pirates of the Caribbean for some reason. Oh yeah. Try that. Again. Try that. Try that for a fourth <laughs> time. Uh, we're getting some Star Wars in there. I don't know. I think that, I think it's going to be a weird time. I think it's gonna be a really weird time. Even Steven's world. Yeah. Even cool. Ste- Yeah. It's going to be really cool. Yeah. Let's just, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be really cool. We're, we were entering like a weird era of new donk city where like a lot like you said a lot of different games like what if we put this kind of like cartoony human next to real people i'm so excited yeah yeah oh my god it. dude smart house oh my god <laughs> wizards of waverly place i would love a hocus pocus world like no yeah. joke that'd, that'd be, be great so, yeah that's so raven <laughs> oh my god I want this. Is Reboot Disney? No, I don't think so. I think th- I think that was WB Kids. You could buy Reboot for twenty dollars at this point. <laughs> Just put it put it in the game. That'd be Maybe. fun, like a public domain Kingdom Hearts game. <laughs> Just like whatever it's like you War can of grab. the Worlds. Yeah. <laughs> there, I mean, all of Jane Austen's work, I believe, is in the public domain. Wow. Because that's when all those uh, it was like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies came out in 2010. Yes. Like, you're oh, right, you're right, you're right. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Great Gatsby, I think, is in the public domain now. I'm just saying you can have Old Man in the Sea and Sora and Donald and Goofy, you know? I would love that. <laughs> yeah. We got a lot of good ideas here in the Aether. Hey, we have <laughs> a lot of good ideas. I think you're right. These are all great ideas. I'm, what if they went to just Disney World? What if, what if, what if they just showed up in Orlando, Florida? <laughs> It's just, yeah, it's it's them in the airport and then Sora Donald and Goofy on Spaceship Earth when it inevitably breaks down, like in the yeah, Renaissance. Yeah, and all the lights turn on and they're yeah. like, oh, well, now I've seen too much. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, do you want to wrap up? I think that's all we got. I kind of don't. I'm loving this. <laughs> I'm having a really good time, honestly. Right, well, where else do you think Sora Donald and Goofy should go? Where else would be cool? I don't know, Times Square? <laughs> The Olive Garden. <laughs> I would love. I would. I would genuinely for Olive Garden for sure. But uh, <laughs> Olive Garden is like the Hercules world, where it's like weirdly a tournament. I don't know why, but like maybe it's like they try to go like full Rome with it. Yeah, unlimited breadsticks, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think seeing Donald and Goofy in Times Square inev- inevitably run into the knockoff versions of themselves. That's a nobody. This That's is a hard. This is actually yeah. a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Times Square is, is essentially hollow bastion when you think about it, you know? That's what they say, yeah. Whenever I'm, like, walking through Times Square, I hear tourists saying that to each other. You know, like, when they're, they're there like, with their families. They're like, just hollow bastion. What's the big deal? They're all taking pictures, yeah. They're like, so what? Sora became... Actually, I shouldn't spoil Kingdom Hearts in this segment. Uh, <laughs> I, I think Times Square... Uh, that genuinely is my favorite level idea we've had in this, in this <laughs> strange pocket verse we've invented. Well, if you haven't played Kingdom Hearts and you would like to, you can pay 90 whole dollars to play the whole collection on your Nintendo Switch via it's $90? cloud versions. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's unfortunate. 
I do think they're also all on Game Pass, though, so that's probably the better way to do it. Yeah, they um, might be. I mean, uh, worst case scenario, you can get them all on PlayStation and on Xbox. That's true. Non-cloud version collections that are very good and not $90. I would like if if at least one was on Switch in like a more immediate way. Yeah. But that could work. Yeah, that was, anyway. uh, that was my hope. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's wrap up. Let's wrap up. Uh, As we always do every week by starting (laughs) with how many breadsticks do you think you could eat in one sitting at the Times Square Olive Garden? I love screaming nothing is finite in Olive Garden in Times Square. (laughs) We got to we've said this before, but we should record an episode there one day. I am dying to. Yeah. Yeah. That would be really great. Just the the audio of an unlimited breadstick at any time. Yeah. You know. That's it. That's that's podcasting. This is actually very. Hey, dear listener, if you want that in real life, <laughs> let me know. I'm going to make this happen, actually. How? We can't record it. All right. We'll figure it out. Uh, hey, thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, uh, the best way to help it grow is to share it with a friend. Into the cast online is our hub for everything. You know the drill. If you want to help the show uh, also in a different way, you can write a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can also rate us on Spotify. People have been writing like absolutely wild reviews. So yeah, someone show. said, uh, "What was the most recent one?" Let me let me pull it up here. <laughs> uh, okay, here's here's the most recent review. Five stars. Thank you. First of all, balls to the wall action, <laughs> Mike. <Sure. laughs> balls to the wall action. My cat's favorite Morrowind podcast. <laughs> this okay. is great because I don't think we've we've somehow. We have not brought up Morrowind yet. No. But, you know, their cat has good taste. I do want to give a shout out to uh, Bianca Reichert, who wrote a piece for Polygon about how it's Morrowind's 20th anniversary that opens with a Garden State Plaza reference. Oh, my God. That's made for us. Which was absolutely unbelievable. I could not not believe when I was reading that piece that it was like, Morrowind is a lot like Garden State Plaza in New Jersey. Uh, To be clear, that's a mall very close to where Stephen and I grew up. Yeah, that's like the mall. That's where you go if you want to see a movie. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, I guess write a review on Apple Podcasts uh, and let us know how many breadsticks you could eat in one sitting. That would be incredible. I would love if like a new prospective listener went to go was like, oh, I've been hearing about this show into the Aether. It's a low key video game podcast. Let me see what the reviews are like. And someone was like five breadsticks, four breadsticks, <laughs> yeah, just all 18 breadsticks. breadsticks. Yeah, I am breadsticks. Um <laughs> Yeah, that would be good. I think that'd be good. I think that'd be really good. Anything on the horizon. Wow, we're being silly today, huh? We're being silly. Uh, anything on the horizon you're excited about or any uh, anything we should cover before we wrap up for good? Uh, for good. <laughs> for good. I mean that to be, again, nothing is fine. I would mean that to be such an ultimatum. Yeah, I mean like a bunch. Uh, what's I, I think this week is very exciting just in terms of game releases. I think for me specifically, but also for us, because I think you're going to be very excited about Nintendo Switch Sports, which yeah. comes out this week. Um, I'm losing my mind about the sequel, to, not sequel. I don't know if it's a sequel. I'm just assuming it's a sequel to the Stanley Parable Ultra oh, Deluxe. Yeah. And um, Rogue Legacy 2 comes and out. And Rogue Legacy week. 2, yes. Yeah, that's exciting. I, it's a, it's a big week for me, so I'm very excited. So, uh, you know, weird week this week in terms of games we're bringing up on the show. But I think next week is actually going to be like all bangers, uh, which will be fun. Yeah, totally. Uh, not that, you know, breadsticks and Rune Factory 5 are not bangers, to be clear. 
everything has its place you know yeah uh i do i do want to give a shout out to the listeners just in general uh i i think it's worth mentioning like we don't advertise this show at all so all of the growth is literally just like you all out there telling your friends to check the show out and like we yeah. see the tweets and stuff where people are like what podcast should i listen to and you're like into the aether it's very cool it's very cool that that's happening it's, like, it's really nice frequently. To see. thank you so much i mean yeah, yeah. it we know how many podcasts are out there, especially video game podcasts, and the fact that we've been able to find an audience so quickly. I mean, because in the grand scheme of things, we're still a fairly new show. We're little babies. We're babies. Uh, ew. Uh, and <laughs> I can only both... eat half a breadstick. Okay, I'm trying to I'm trying to <laughs> trying to be sincere, express my gratitude and thanks, and you're talking like a baby to me. <laughs> <laughs> We really appreciate you. We appreciate all the yes. support you can give. It means a lot always. It truly does. That's why we say it every week. And we just, we really appreciate it. Uh, special thanks to our patrons as well. If you are backing the show and it puts you in any financial strain, please do not. You can pull your support anytime. And if you back the show later, you'll regain access to the whole patron backlog. We recently released a big patron bonus all about Persona 3, 4, and 5 with our friends Alana Oaken and Callie Barth Dwyer. That was really, really fun to make. More patron stuff on the horizon, but like we kind of explained in great detail last week. And if you want a refresher, I think last week's episode kind of goes over it most thoroughly. But $1 uh, gets you access to the patron episodes. $5 gets you access to Brendan's incredible database of like the entire show all the games we've covered you can search a game and see what episodes we brought it up you can also see info about the game itself where you can play it all that stuff and then ten dollars currently does nothing some of you have edited your pledge to ten dollars even though it says nothing in big font thank you uh if you're able to do that that's wild yeah for really real. appreciate it um but that will once merch is on the horizon that will be a permanent discount for merch so that's the current layout of that so thank you we, we've gotten a, a big amount of support lately it's it's really baffling to see thank you so much for those who are able to do that um, yeah for real because this show is completely independent so that helps us grow it helps us sustain the show and uh it means a lot so thank you so much yeah cool into the cast out online so link to everything my name is brendan bigley you can find me on the internet at brendan bigley i'm stephen hilger you find me at stephen hilger uh you can also find me in the Times square olive garden where i will be counting the never-ending <laughs> free bread i really do want to make this happen yeah i think i i, I don't want to i i'm saying a lot of no to your comedic bits here and i want to i want to open my arms a little bit uh i want to let my guard down a little bit and see what happens yes and steven maybe maybe the eight i knew you were gonna do that maybe the aether is just olive garden <laughs> <laughs> oh shit when you're here you're what did we family. say episode 185 flip it on its head <laughs> Love a reveal. 13 yeah. Sentinels, 13 Breadsticks, follow the money. It's all connected. <laughs> Who funds these farms? Monsanto. <laughs> follow the money. Uh, thank Goodbye. you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>